For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So somebody said it on Twitter and I can I can see it based on just the physical qualities of this play. Mm-hmm. It looked like Devontae Adams. I'm not gonna lie. He did. The hops, the hands over a guy. I agree. There's yeah. definitely I'll say <laughs> I don't wanna like dog pack your fans, but a little bit of it, I'm not gonna lie, a little bit of it feels like we're trying to hold on to Devontae. You know what I mean? I it's mean, kind of like when you move from girlfriend to girlfriend, you're like, oh, my girlfriend should do that. You know what I'm saying? It's also the most recent example. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <sighs> All right. Well, we're back. This is gonna be this is gonna be our last bonus episode of 2022. So enjoy it, people. But we will <laughs> we be gotta, here on every Friday. We will. We be will. Here every we're Friday. gonna be every Friday, not just once a month Friday. Um we got a Packers show next Friday. Uh, we're going to be doing bold predictions, NFC North record predictions, stat oh. projections, oh. Uh, preseason standouts. We're going to be predicting the end of the roster. Um, That's going to be tough. I know. That's why, like, I like that. Like, I like that Tyler from Wisco Ball uh, gave us the the Wisco Disco idea. Mm-hmm. I think that was really clever, and I think like picturing it as as you know, like a club, and you got you know the last three people are getting in. And then you got three people standing outside just waiting for the rope to come up to be the next ones to be let in. So that's kind of how we're visualizing it. It's going to be the last three in, the first three on the outside waiting to get in. So I'm definitely the guy waiting behind the rope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I'll, I'll slide the bouncer at 20 and you can get in with me. Oh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our last bonus episode before we start our, our full season of Packer episodes Um we're going to be talking about some of the basics of some of the games. So it's going to be essentially just football and basketball today. Um, If you're watching the show live and you have some questions you want to throw out there, like we always welcome that. Um, So we're going to be basically just football and basketball. Like I said, football and basketball season are both coming up. So we want to kind of just mention some of the, the ins and outs of football, some phrases that you might hear a lot, but may not understand just because they've never been explained to you. Um, so that's what we're going to do. And hopefully we can do this in a way that it'll be enjoyable for people who know what we're talking about and for people who just like to watch the games and maybe want to learn a little bit of extra terminology. So go ahead. You can introduce the segment once I'll let you. All right. So first segment is going to be 12 and 22 personnel. Uh, we're also going to be talking a gap, B gap, uh, a gap, B gap is pretty simple to understand. I can explain that right away off the top of my head. So 
you got to pretend that you're the quarterback behind the center, right? Um, so on the left side and right side of the center is your A gaps. Go outside the guards, that is your B gaps. Outside the tackles is your C gaps. And outside of the tight ends is your D gaps. Or they call, oh, what is the word? Uh, they call it like wide out or something like that. Uh, there, there's so many like, there's so many different verbiages, you know, just, just going from team to team. You know, these concepts have been around for so long. Like we're going to talk West Coast offense in, the, in this episode. And West Coast offense started with Bill Walsh. And you might think, oh, Bill Walsh, 49ers. I was reading up on it. He actually created it when he was an offensive coordinator for the Bengals. And he called it a different name. But uh, they, they, you know, phrased it the West Coast offense. And still today, it's the best offense in the NFL. Uh, under center, old school. That's why, you know, when you're scouting a college kid, you want to you want to see him play pro-style offense, that's West Coast offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk 12 and 22 personnel. Um, I'll do 12 if you want to do 22. Sure. Okay. So uh, 12 personnel. Let me scroll up here. I wrote some stuff down. 12 personnel. Uh, the first number uh, stands for the running back. The second number start stands for the tight ends. So 12 you take the one, you get one running back, you get two tight ends. Um, I really like 12 personnel uh, in the red zone. In the red zone, I feel like this is the best personnel grouping you can have because you get the two tight ends, you get the extra blocking, you get the extra beef, you kind of condense the defense down a little bit, and you can run a lot of play pass out of that, play pass, play action, whatever you want to call it. I love play action to the tight end. One of my favorite plays in in football because – you're doing play pass, so you know you're getting a tight end with a one-on-one, and you know he's huge, and you know he's running into somebody. So you're guaranteeing a huge collision. So 12 personnel is one of my personal favorites. The Packers need to run it more in the red zone, especially with the team they have now. I like Lewis. I like Tanyan on the field at the same time in the red zone. I think Tanyan can be a, a weapon in the red zone. I think Lewis is six seven. He could be a, a, a weapon in the red zone. Plus, the running backs that we have, why wouldn't you run 12 personnel? You get a lot of one-on-ones. We run a zone run scheme. So why not give them some uh, some free freelance? So, you know, you're kind of – I'm going to tie this in because 22 personnel would just be two tight ends and two running backs, or it would be mm-hmm. two running backs, two tight ends. You say the, the running back number first. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially what it does is then whatever number of players you have left, that's how many wide receivers are lined up. So mm-hmm. if it's 12 personnel – it's one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. If it's 22, then it's two running backs, two tight ends, and one wide receiver. Um, personally, I'd like to see the Packers run a little more 22, and I think they probably will. They'll probably run a lot of 22. They'll probably run a lot of 21, especially to start the season with all yeah, Robert yeah. Tunyon healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would expect to see a lot of 21 personnel, a lot of two running back, one tight end situations. And you know, Aaron Rodgers said it just the other day that they want their 11 best players on the field. Uh, as as often as possible, and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are both in the top eleven on the offense. So, um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how the dynamic works between the two of them because Matt Lafleur is a a mindful coach when it comes to keeping his players fresh and healthy. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see um, just how that how that plays out. But um, so that's twelve and twenty two personnel, and then like Jake explained, the A gap is between the center and the guard. B gap is between the, the guard and the tackle. C gap would be outside the tackle between the tight end. And then outside the tight end would be the D gap or the wide. Um, so this one's a little more complicated, but let's 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 explain what a West Coast offense is. Okay, well, I started, so you start this one. Let me hear what you All got. right, so I'm West interested. Coast offense I'm actually interested. Is essentially built on using a lot of quick slants. 
um, using wide receiver speed to the advantage Mm -hmm. of the quarterback. So this was a situation or this was a a scheme that was designed to make average quarterbacks better. Um, So when you had that, that one year where case Keenan was really good with the Vikings, it was Mm -hmm. all built on, on timing rhythm. You know, you're not relying on, on -on one-on-one situations, although this type of offense can create that, but essentially what you're doing is you're saying, this is where you're going to be at this time. The ball is going to meet you there and that's how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you're going to try to get open on this route or, you know, you're running an option route or anything like that. It's all built on timing and, and a lot of quick action. Yep. That's where you'll hear the term three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop. That's where that timing comes in. The quarterback comes out, calls hike. Uh, could be could be shotgun, could be under center. It doesn't matter. West Coast offense is still built on timing. So, you know, with with under shotgun, it's like, OK, you got to count your head. OK, I got three seconds to get to this spot right here. I got to get up the field. And I got to cut right here. That's what Rogers is talking about. The crisp routes when he was mm-hmm. talking about the young receivers the other day. you got to be in that spot at that time. And, you know, I know they're getting experience in the preseason, and this is why we kind of laugh off preseason. We enjoy it because it's, it's football, right? Mm-hmm. We miss the Packers. So we get to see some young guys. Yeah, it's awesome to see the damn yellow helmets running around smacking some people. You know, if you're Romeo Dubs, you're catching touchdowns over people. Um, that was a great catch. That was I can't nice. get over it. I'm still thinking looked, about that it. That looked nice. What up, Tim? Um, so with that, Rogers is talking about just being at the right place at the right time, doing the right things over and over and over again. I don't know if you saw uh, what Sammy Watkins said the other day, but he's had a really good couple days. He had a really good couple days against the Saints. And he was talking about how he feels like he's doing good, but he's not there mentally. So he's trying to tell himself remain humble and get there mentally let the mental catch up to the physical and that's when you take your game to the next level so yeah. i like how sammy Watkins is approaching it i think that is great for the young guys to see that type of mindset Absolutely. and sammy's Especially a very talented guy yeah he's a very talented guy remember this guy was highly touted coming out of college i know he's a little bit more banged up now but he's, he's he, had a couple really good years in, in the mix of all his injury marred he can seasons. still produce he could still produce <clears> man <throat> Um, it's, but yeah, it's all really a question with Sammy Watkins. It's all really a question of if he's healthy. If he's yep. healthy, he's really good. Yeah. But he hasn't been able to show a fully healthy season in like four years. Yeah. You know, but they say if is the biggest two letter word in sports. <laughs> if this, if that. <laughs> hey, like I said on Wednesday, just because it hasn't ever happened doesn't mean it won't ever happen. <sighs> man, watch the man go for like 1,300 yards or something. Dude, crazy. And, and nine <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> Oh, wouldn't that be insane? That would be awesome. So we've talked about it too. When Matt LaFleur came to Green Bay, he brought this type of offense with him. And, you know, we talked about it, how this system was designed to make average quarterbacks look good. Nobody ever took an elite quarterback and put him in this system. And now Rodgers has back-to-back MVPs. Um, You know, it's not, it's not just because of the offense. It's not just because of Rodgers. It's not just because of Devontae Adams, but it's all of these things combined and that's where, you know, the Packers didn't necessarily feel the need to go get a big-name wide receiver. They didn't need, feel the need to trade for an A.J. Brown because they have an Alan Lazard who can be a possession wide receiver. He can play close to the line. He's got a big physical body, mm-hmm. uh, and they drafted the the take-the-top-off-the-defense guy in Christian Watson, mm-hmm. and then they're just working with with Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb and Romeo Dubs. Um, so that's, that's basically what they're looking at. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers has has hinted that Alan Lazard is going to be kind of stepping into the wide receiver one role, but I think it's like I said um, during our last Packers show that I really think it's going to be more of like a hot hand approach, and there could be a different wide receiver one every week. 
you know, if you're having a great day, like Rogers isn't going to take the ball away from you. You know what? Talking about that, I actually I was waiting for today because I was going to ask you this because I saw this on uh, Monday, and I don't remember who tweeted out, but it was a a Packers account, and they said if you're a defense and you have to double team somebody on the Packers just to take somebody away, who are you who are you doing that to? And I was like, every Sunday, the best player on offense, not a lineman, not named Aaron Rodgers, is Aaron Jones. It's Aaron Jones, yeah. So if I was going to force to take away somebody be Aaron Jones because he could hurt you with the pass and the run. Not that mm-hmm. Dylan can't, but to the ability of Aaron Jones, he can hurt you mega in both those areas. Mm-hmm. You know, he's that guy that could take a handoff and go 70 every play. You don't know True. when that's going to happen. True. Um, he could catch a pass and he can go 60 yards. You know, we saw that in the right. playoff game. Um, so if I was going to take somebody away, it'd be Aaron Jones. Now with the receivers. You could make a case I- for, you could make a case for AJ Dillon as well, just because he's, He's the guy that you're going to have the hardest time trying to bring down with one defender. Over the course of 60 minutes, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that 250 pounds feels like 500 after you hit it a couple times. That's all I mean, I know. Lazard's not a small guy either. He's 6'5", no. like 230. Like He is a but, truck. Yeah, but the only thing about Dylan is, is you, can, you can literally just hand him the ball 20 times, and then that 250 will just feel like 500 pounds. You know, you're just in a man, you're getting 300 pounds laying on you every play with a lineman laying on you. Like, that's what the Badgers do, man. They have these yeah. big, freaking gigantic 18 year old kids that are 330 pounds and 6'9. I'm like, where are these kids growing? I don't understand. They're like all from they, Minnesota like, and stuff. They, yeah, that's like anywhere that grows corn, like they just come out of the cornfield. Like, they're not actually born. It's like a children <laughs> of the corn situation. Like, like one one day when they're sixteen, like they walk out of the cornfield and then they're like, yep. "Oh shit, another one showed up!" But we put pads on them and now you're playing football. Like, yep, we'll just just slap a W on the side of this one, call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what happens. But uh, yeah, that's what the Badgers do. That's what the Packers can do with AJ Dillon too. All right, do you want to say anything else about the West Coast offense? Uh, let me see what I got in my notes here. Okay, uh, West Coast offense. Uh, remember, I said play pass before. That is actually a term that Bill Walsh coined, uh, he said that the play pass is the greatest play in the NFL. And me and you, you know, me and you are on that wavelength of, of mm-hmm. play action pass, one of our favorite mm-hmm. plays. Um, I shared on my personal page, if you're not a friend of me, you can add me on Facebook, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, his, oh my God, his fake handoffs. And I just did, I just did this emoji because that's how I felt. You know, <laughs> because it's just a thing of beauty. And Rogers is the best at it, in my opinion. I might be biased. I don't know. I don't care. Um, but I don't it's know a how beautiful you quantify to it to to be able to to determine it. But yeah, I mean, but he he's it's beautiful. He fakes out the cameraman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that <laughs> like, happened at least twice last year. When you get the cameraman, and they're pretty good at their job. I mean, you're yeah. doing you're doing something. <laughs> so the West Coast offense is very good for the play action pass, which we are a fan of here. All right, let's talk about pre-snap motion. Now, there's a lot of this to be made of. Um, like Roger said, he doesn't like a ton of pre-snap motion just because he wants to keep up the tempo. But what what are some good things that pre-snap motion can do for your for your offense? Okay, so if you're a quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers, who is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, pre-snap motion to me is the easiest way to help your quarterback diagnose you know, what defense you're in. And we are going to talk about zone defenses versus man defenses. Um, there's some little things that you can do to notice those. 
Uh, but pre-snap motion, you send a wide receiver from the right to the left. This is, by the way, take this tip if you play Madden like myself. Uh, just take a wide receiver, slide him over there. Your guy may have to change the play. You look at the safeties, you're just like, okay, touchdown. Easy money, right? Well, if you're me at least. Uh, but, you know, you could send a guy in motion and you could see how the defense resets. Uh, their strong side, weak side of the field. Uh, most of the time, strong side is to the wide side where you have the most yards. And weak side is to the, the hash mark where you have less grass, I guess, to the inbounds. Um, so you can go from strong side to weak side, weak side to strong side. You can reset that strong side. And I just I like pre-snap motion. I like the jet sweep motion. I mm -hmm. think it works. And Aaron Rodgers is amazing at it. His stats are crazy in pre-snap motion. Um, so I thought that pre-snap motion was a, a thing that LaFleur brought over because we never saw that in the McCarthy era, right? Nope. So, oh my God. <laughs> <Like> never. <So, laughs> Pre-snap motion went up, went way up. Yeah. Um, hang on one second. I'm getting stupid text messages. Okay. So I went down and I did Aaron Rodgers averages since LaFleur came over when pre-snap motion was issued into this offense. Nice. He averages 4,138 yards, 37 touchdowns, Four interceptions and a 109.6 rating. 37 and four on average. Dude, that's three oh. years. That is three years worth of games. He's averaging 37 oh. and four. That's disgusting. That is absolute. And you want to know something? That was his stats last year 37 and four. Jeez. And you wonder why the guy won the MVP. And everybody's like, ooh, Brady should have won MVP. No, he should not have. <sighs> Yeah, Jeez. insane stuff. The pre-snap motion just makes everything so easy for the quarterback. Like, Rodgers is already smart, right? Mm -hmm. Now he sends a guy over there. This guy goes over there with him, and Rodgers just like, okay, good joke. <laughs> I... Yeah, well, Rodgers does this thing, too, where, like, he, he targets, like, the weakest link on the opposing defense. Yep. Like, he is – like, he knows when you just brought a rookie in to replace somebody who got a stinger on the last play. Yep. Like, he knows, like, that guy wasn't here on the last play. Yep. And now I'm gonna bring Devontae over, and now he's gonna be guarding Devontae because because uh, Devon, you know, Rogers will bring a guy over to to basically move everybody down one slot. Mm -hmm. And now you're guarding our best player, and you are your team's worst player. Yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> yep, the ball's coming your way. Just just know that if you're an opposing defender and you weren't in on the last play and you're lower on the depth chart, just know the ball's coming your way. Oh, 100% of the time. But Rodgers uh, doesn't need pre-stamp motion. You know, he he when he comes to the line, he basically knows what defense you're in by where the guys are lining up. Mm -hmm. He's already setting everything up in his head. That's why he make, he can make so many adjustments. Peyton Manning was the master at the pre-stamp yeah, adjustments. Yeah, he was. Peyton Manning, yeah. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember playing Manning against Manning? Do you remember that? Do you know that he started a production company, a sports production company? Do you know what it's called? Omaha. It's Omaha Productions. Knew it. Easy. I knew it. <laughs> Dude, so this is before Omaha, and he was still on the Colts. Every time you you shift uh, your defense, like move your D-line in, move your linebackers to the strong side, you know, he'd be like, Eagle, Eagle. I'm like, Jesus, Kaimini, I've heard Eagle about 140 times, and we're playing five-minute quarters. Oh, <laughs> uh, That's awesome. All right, so let's switch from offense to defense. Let's talk about the defensive alignments. So – I think it was 2015, 16, that the Packers went from a 4-3 system to a 3-4. It was somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So 3-4 um, defense, 
is three defensive linemen, four linebackers, four three defenses. Obviously, the reverse. It's four defensive linemen, three linebackers. Um, essentially, what it does is it is it takes a defensive lineman away and puts in a linebacker. Obviously, but that it should increase the speed of your of your team mm-hmm. uh, by putting in smaller, more athletic players than just guys that take up a ton of space. Um, it showed for a couple of years that it made the Packers very susceptible to the run, but it seems that year by year they've they've gotten better at using the three in the front to try to control some of the running lanes, and now having a guy like Preston Smith, who I think is one of the more underrated outside linebackers in the league, and Rashawn Gary, who's obviously known for his pass rush prowess, but is getting better at run defense. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that's getting better for the Packers, and then obviously they add Devondre Campbell, who was an All Pro last year. And now mm-hmm. first round pick Quay Walker. So I'm I'm really excited to see what the three four defense can bring for the Packers this year. Yeah. So these are your base defenses. Uh, we're gonna get into some, you know, more defenses as we talk. Um, in the three four, your D tackle, aka on our team, that's Kenny Clark, has to demand two people, which he does yep. on every every play, right? So then after that, uh, he takes two people. So he's taking two of the five. Essentially, you want you want one guy on the D line to be able to win one on ones. And last year that was Dean Lowry. Mm-hmm. So Dean Lowry was very good last year winning yep. his one on one matchups. Yeah, about um, six and a half sacks last year, I think. Yeah, and he bats down a ton of balls. Dude, he's still doing that. Even in even in preseason right now, he's still doing that. Yeah, I know. And it's oh God. He he's he's, he's crazy. He's a good he's he, a little underrated in my opinion. He okay. This is this is going to kind of tie into one of my other guys that I like on the Packers but if we talked about Dean Lowry potentially being you know the most improved player on the Packers last year Mm -hmm. uh, me you Simon Bryant were kind of all in agreement on that Um, if he steps it up again another level like I'm going to give him the nickname JJ Watt light because like I gave I gave Robert Tunyon Kittle light Mm -hmm. so I want to give potentially he's got to play out this season and improve on what he did last season. But if he does it, like we're talking JJ Watt light on Dean Lowry. Imagine if the guy comes out here, you know, because everybody's worried about, you know, the new jar and Reed We're we're, I heard we're doing a lot more uh, blitzing with our inside linebackers in camp. Uh, that could be a new wrinkle of this defense that we did not see last year. That'd be very interesting. Uh, imagine Quay Walker as fast as he is, you know, you have he's to worry really about- good at diagnosing the run too. You have to worry about Kenny Clark. You have to double Kenny Clark, and all of a sudden, Quay Walker's running through the A gap. You're done. You're screwed. You're not getting to him. He's too quick. Yeah. I mean, and then you know you're not worried about Dean Lowry, and he goes out there. Oh my God, that was a crazy catch. That was a crazy hit. I'm sorry. Um, but Dean Lowry is a great player for the three four. He's like the perfect DN. DNs play a five technique, uh, which means they line up on the outside shoulder of the outside tack of the offensive tackles. Um, Kenny. Uh, there's there's numbers to all this stuff. Um, I one eye under is to the weak side. So if you ever hear them say one eye under, that means he's to the weak side of the field of on the center. One eye over is to the strong side. Okay. So that that's all that means. It's you know it sounds like a, a lot. It sounds like a lot of information. But truthfully, when you when you hear it, it's not difficult. It's like three words, and you're like, so when they call a play on offense, and you hear the, these long words, right? They sound like super califragilistic, like they're huge words. The offensive line is listening to three words. The running backs are listening to three words, and the receivers are listening to three words. That's all that is. <laughs> it sounds like a lot, and it is. You know, you hear Aaron Rodgers, 
Ah, uh, you know, and they, they, you know, Jordan Love comes in. These young guys always come in. They're like, X, Y, flank, 42, dagger, jet sweep. And I'm just like, that was a lie. You said it so fast. I feel every time that I hear that, I want to be like uh, the scene from Billy Madison, like, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> That's why quarterbacks get paid the most amount of money. They have, they to, have know to know what everybody goes. is doing. Yep. You know, running backs know where the running backs go. The wide receivers know where the wide receivers go. The offensive linemen know where they're picking up blocks. Quarterback has to know all of that. And then on top of that, he he's the only player that touches the ball every play. Yeah. Davis just fumbled again. Oof. I was he's, pulling for him, too. It's if he, he can't be making much more mistakes, honestly. He's already been on the bubble. Yeah. That's I was surprised bummer. they got rid of Daphne over him. Well, they brought in the that USFL tight end. So Yeah, I know. Nate Becker. That's what his name is. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Anyways. Yeah, that is a bummer. All right, let's switch to zone. Or wait. Nickel and dime. We got to do nickel and dime before we do zone defense. Nickel and dime. You want me to do nickel or dime? Which one do you want? I don't care. All right. I will do nickel because that is the defense I am most right, I'll do dime because I'm a 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> well played. You set me up for it, and I, well I spiked played. it. I feel like Chris Paul now because you said I set you up. <laughs> Lob City, baby. All right. <laughs> All right. So nickel. Uh the real nickel in the NFL now in the current NFL is two, four, five. So that would be two down linemen, four linebackers, five DBs. And this defense for the Packers and the two, four, five has the most potential and is what will make them a top five defense. Yep. Uh, they will try to get teams in situations to play nickel. They'll literally yep. just play nickel every play if they have to. They don't care. But the lineup I'm most excited for is Kenny and Wyatt. You got Smith, Walker, Campbell, Gary, and then you got. Jair, you got Stokes, you get Douglas, yep. and then, you know, if you're in cover three or cover two, it doesn't matter, but I like the Packers, you know, nickel cover three because it's amazing because Savage is very good at playing that over-the-top safety. Um, so you have Savage and you have Amos. Amos can literally do everything, so it makes yep. it easy. Uh, but the Packers nickel defense, mm, French kiss. Mm. So good. <laughs> so good. So good. Dime is essentially just taking it one step further, bringing uh -huh. in one more defensive back, and then you're looking at six defensive backs. So like Jake said, two, four, five, you're essentially looking at two linemen, three linebackers, and six defensive backs. Um, that's where you'd see like a Vernon Scott get on the field. Um, maybe a Shamar Jean Charles, um, if he makes the roster, it's uh, one of those potentially guys. Um Rich Passaccia and Joe Barry said that Keyshawn Nixon has been seeing some time in the secondary. So that's mm -hmm. where you're going to start getting into seeing that sixth defensive back. Um, as far as two defensive linemen, I actually think that's a, a, a spot where Jaron Reed is really going to help the team. Um, he's a really big guy, but he, he's got some pass rushing ability to him. Mm -hmm. um, Joe Barry actually mentioned that too, that he had a really big year in Seattle and he had a really good year with Kansas City. Um, so I think Jaron Reed is actually going to be a really underrated addition to the Packers defensive line. I agree. Okay. Now we can switch to zone defense. I'm going to go out there on a limb and say this though. So right now we're looking at, let's talk D line real quick. Mm -hmm. So you got Kenny, you got Wyatt, you got Lowry, you got Jaron Reed. Um, you got TJ Slayton. Yeah. And a guy that, you know, was in the backfield a ton versus San Francisco. He's made some plays in this game. He forced a couple holding calls. Jack Heflin, 
How do they I keep this it. guy off? How do they keep him off the roster, man? He's he's going to be in the Wisco Disco. The, how do they keep him off the roster? I think it it's getting tough, man. The guy forces the issue. Dude, he's he's 150% effort. I love it. I love I, every oh, I love him it. so much. Love every ounce of it, man. Uh, I, I just wanted to – I mean, he's definitely going to be in the Wisco Discos, but yep. I mean – Which uh, side of the Disco he's on, we'll see. I, uh, I want That's him on the tough. good side because I like him. So do I. I liked him last year already. I kind of <sighs> wish he would have made the team over Lancaster last year because he just so much effort last year in the preseason watching him too. There were yeah. plays where there was run plays where he's 10 yards behind the play and he gets back into the play and makes he's the tackle. diving. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Love it. All right. Zone defense. All right. I will do cover two. You can uh, you can do cover three. Okay. I just kind of so, lumped them together. Okay, well, cover two, you can tell cover two um, because if you watch any team guard the Packers, they all run cover two. If you watch any team guard a good quarterback, they run cover two because they're not giving you the opportunity to get a one-on-one on the outside. Basically, what cover two is, you split the field in half, right? Say you go right down the Green Bay Packers logo right down the middle, split it in half. Savage takes this side. Amos takes this side. You have coverage underneath the intermediate routes. The corners usually take everything from, like, five yards to 15 yards if they have to they play like an area right there and then you have your other guys just go get the quarterback but i think cover two is most useful in like i would say the red zone it's really good you can you know a guy like devondre campbell can actually get back and get you know get you length back there to kind of cover that middle of the field you know we ran cover two one time last year <sighs> this place still pisses me off i believe it was against the, the oh, it wasn't the chiefs it was at home uh, but anyways, Chris Barnes was just standing there, <laughs> just just standing there. That's it. That That's all he was doing. That might have been the Bears game where, like, the Bears actually put up, like, 30 points. Yeah, it might have been. I it don't remember who it was game. against, but I remember him standing there like this, and he did not move the entire Balling, play. Like, right over his head. And I was like, why did you do that? <laughs> but I, I like Chris you're talking Barnes. About. I like Chris Barnes. But, I like him yeah. as our third middle linebacker. Oh, that's going to be awesome. He, he Oh, dude, you you give me 20 plays, bring the thump, I'm good to go. Yep. Play some special teams. Yep. Bring the thump there too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So for me, looking at zone defense, it involves basically defenders guarding a portion of the field instead of a specific player. Mm-hmm. So when, when defenses are running zone defense, um, it can it creates, like Jake said, it creates fewer one-on-one situations. And the other part of it is that it can actually conserve energy of your players by not having to to necessarily, you know, if a guy is running, you know, starting on one side of the field and he's going to run all the way across the other side of the field, a cornerback doesn't have to follow him that whole way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the corner could start guarding somebody. He crosses into the next zone. You pass him off to the linebacker who would then pass him off to the other corner on the other side of the field, on the other side of the hash marks. Mm-hmm. So, a zone defense could be also like a, a two-minute drill situation um, where there's a little bit less confusion because you're guarding a place and you're not looking for a player to guard. Um, obviously, you still have to guard players when they come into your zone, but you know, you're know you not following players all over the field, which is less running, which can potentially conserve energy for some of your players. So That's a good point to bring up, actually. I love the Packers in cover three. I think they're good at cover three. Uh, just strictly for the fact that we have two lockdown corners on the outside. So then all you need is Campbell, Quay Walker to stay stay that middle middle 10, 15-yard area and make sure that nothing goes past 
you know, Savage, who does have good wheels, and he's very good at that cover three. So Packers in yeah. cover three. I'm, Again. you know, when it comes to, to Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, I'm very interested to see how they handle tight ends this year. That will be an X factor, I think. Yeah. Interested to see how they handle it. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about football related? No, no. Uh, we have a lot of football next Friday, so I'll see. Yes, we can. Well, there will be a lot of football discussion next Friday. <laughs> I will save my energy for now. All right, let's switch. Let's switch to basketball. So we're going to talk about a, basically just three things with basketball. We just got three pretty easy ones. We're going to talk about pick and roll, drop defense, and the dunker area. So these are three things you're going to hear about a ton, um, not only in the NBA but especially in Bucks games. Marcus Johnson will probably say the phrase dunker area 13 times a game. Um, in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the Bucks run a drop defense when it comes to defending pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. And then pick and roll, every single team in the NBA uses it. It's the most commonly used play outside of maybe isolation. But, you know, that's that's just how basketball is. There's a lot of one-on-one in basketball. But if you're going to run an actual play, uh, pick and roll is probably the most used play in all of basketball. So I'm I want to ask you about the pick and roll, how you visualize it and what what the uh, what the goal of running a pick and roll is. Okay, so the goal of running a pick and roll is to put the the guy guarding the screener in a two and one, two and one situation. Normally a big man uh, in today's NBA, sometimes they run it with a guard, guard and guard uh, because you just take a poor defender make him guard the guy with the ball. So the guy with the ball is usually your best all-around offensive player, a guy that can pass, a guy that can shoot. He's just a playmaker, and he's just good. So for mm-hmm. the Bucks, that guy, first off, is Chris Middleton. He's the yep. first one. And I actually thought of a crazy question that I wanted to ask you, but I'll wait for a second. Um, and then secondly, uh, you can run it with Drew Holiday or Giannis as the ball handler. Yep. When you do it with Giannis, you get a couple different things, right? So you're getting a mm-hmm. big on a big situation or a big on a little situation. So – if you have Giannis running it and you have Grayson Allen setting the screen, what are you that's getting? That's exactly it. I'm glad you brought that up. You're getting you're getting Giannis on a, on a guy that's six six. What's Maybe. that going to end up? What's that going to end up like? Not good because Gian, Giannis dunks on seven footers, right? Yeah. So essentially, the best play for the Bucks. Tyler brought this up first. Uh, if you don't watch, we have great basketball content. Just so everybody knows, Tyler brought this up first. He said the best play for the Bucks is Middleton Giannis uh, pick and roll. And it is hands you can, down. You can run that. You can run that every every play, single play, and you you would end up with you would be happy with the results of the game. You, you'd probably end up scoring it. more than you'd probably end up scoring more than 105, 110 points per hundred possessions. I'd agree with that. Giannis is unstoppable. Middleton, if Middleton's on fire, what are you doing with that? He's still an underrated passer, and it pisses me off. Yeah. He's been an underrated passer for like three years. And you know that mid-range, dude. You get Giannis gives him one screen. He gets one good dribble, one good hard, hard jab dribble, dude. It's money. It's I think Middleton him. is arguably like the third best mid-range player in the NBA. Who's the other two? Durant. Uh, okay. All right. I'll go fourth. I'll give you Durant. Durant, DeRozan. DeRozan is one. And who's the other one you got? I'd give it. I'd give Chris Paul. Yeah, Chris Paul's pretty money from the mid range. Yeah, I would. I, I'm okay with fourth. I'm happy with That's fourth. Fair. I'm happy with fourth. But pick and roll. Uh, get a two on one situation. Uh, you can run a pick and roll 
or there's you know there's a pick and pop but we yep. didn't pick that one but pick and pop is more of a new age thing pick and roll Giannis sets a screen on the guy on the guy guarding the ball um they're probably going to go over because Middleton can shoot so that means that there's a guy trailing Middleton so now he's if he's getting doubled that's just a pocket pass right that's just a bounce yep. pass underneath yep. Giannis is getting the ball and he's going to euro step spin dunk do whatever the hell he wants because he's Giannis all the above <laughs> Yeah, he does what he wants. Did you see that picture with him and Mamu, by the way? I did not. I saw Mamu's poster dunk today. Yeah, that was sick, too. Um, they, He's taking a picture, and Thanasis is in the front, and Giannis has his arm around Mamu, and Mamu was a 6'11", right? Giannis has at least an inch to two inches on Mamu. I've seen I've seen Mamu listed as low as 6'9", but I'd give him, I'd give him 6'10", but Giannis is – he's seven feet he's gotta be seven feet there's no way he's not because durant is seven feet and they're looking eye to eye to, to each other mm-hmm. and durant's listed at six nine which is funny as hell that's weird i always thought he was six ten six eleven at least yeah and then there's that there's that picture where he's standing next to demarcus cousins at the usa stuff yeah. and demarcus cousins is listed at six eleven and durant's like this much taller than him <laughs> i don't know it is what it is the 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 nba height thing is just as bad as the NFL weight thing, not to get yeah. off topic, because they definitely be lying about how big Vince Wilfork is, and I don't want to hear a word about it. <laughs> Warren Sapp listed at 389. Give me a break. Yeah, dude, Vince Wilfork was pushing four. You see how big that gut was? Come on, man. Come Your on, Snacks man. Harrison listed him at 359. Like, come on, man. We, we know the scale tips a little bit more than that. I, yeah. I mean, if you can put all of the – the toggles to the one side and it still goes punk. like <laughs> dude weighs at least 400 pounds harden is putting in work already that doesn't make uh, i'm not gonna get into it probably doing he's, a lot of isolation he's not stopping middleton he's not stopping drew holiday I'm, I'm so excited say. for the bucks to open the season against philadelphia oh it's gonna be awesome Giannis Giannis gets a dunk on him in first philly day. so i wrote this this morning actually there's there's a handful of, of milestones that the Bucks could pass in Philadelphia. Um, Giannis needs 15 field goals to be number one in field goals in Bucks history. So maybe um, Giannis needs eight free throws made to be number one in free throws made in Bucks history. So he could well, do that. You know he's getting ten attempts. <laughs> yeah. If Chris Middleton needs nine points to pass Marcus Johnson for seventh on the all-time Bucks scoring list. Okay, so that's three shots. Yep. So that one's probably going to happen. Um, Chris needs two free throws to move into seventh in free throws made. So all of those things could happen in Philadelphia. Dude, Middleton and Giannis are going to go down as the best duo in Bucks history. They're going to. I have a hard time already saying that they're not just because of how long Middleton's been here. The only reason is because of the all-time great status of Oscar and Kareem, right. even though Oscar wasn't in a Bucks of, uniform for that long. Yeah, most of the, most of their careers weren't in a Bucks uniform. But right. if they win another title, then there's clearly no debate, obviously. So I wrote that article this morning. There is – by the end of next season, Chris Middleton could be number two in – points he could be he could be challenging kareem abdul jabbar next season oh my god this this season he's probably going to move up to third 
mm-hmm. passing Glenn Robinson. So Chris Middleton's probably going to be third in points at the end of this season. Wow. And then he'll be within striking distance of Kareem next season. Wow. Like early next season. So the top two scorers in Bucks history are playing right now. Yeah. It'll happen. If it doesn't happen this year or next year, it'll happen eventually. Because Middleton's playing more in three years, you would think. It's going to – if he – he needs like – he needs 1,039 points to pass Glenn Robinson. He's been averaging about 1,400 points a season. So he's going to pass Glenn Robinson okay. this year. Okay. After that, he needs 2,000 to catch up to Kareem. So if he has 1,400 this season, he's going to need about 600 points. Okay. So, so probably in the first third-ish of next season. Okay, okay. That's Chris fine. Milton could be passing Kareem. As we'll be talking about our second title in three years. I right, mean, right, right, right. Be a great time to be a Bucks fan, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to pick and roll, there's just there's several options coming out of this this action. Um, so it, it depends basically on all on how the defense reacts, and that's up to the ball handler to diagnose that. Mm-hmm. So when the ball handler comes around the screen, if he sees you know the the defender playing a drop defense, which we're going to talk about, which is essentially just backing up until the the ball handler makes a decision that could result in a jump shot. Um, if um, if the defense decides to try to have two defenders stay with the ball handler, that's where you get into a roll situation, like Jake said, and then you have a guy running towards the basket. Jake mm-hmm. briefly mentioned pick and pop. That's where instead of running towards the basket, a guy takes two steps backwards and stands on the three-point line. Mm-hmm. So that's a pick and pop situation. And then, you know, you basically just wait for to see what the defense does and try to create a two-on-one situation, whether it be two-on-one where the screen defender is trying to go over the screener, and mm-hmm. then you have two players going towards the basket with what defender behind them, or you have two defenders coming at the ball handler, and then you leave the roller open. That's why there's so much of a run in the NBA, because you're essentially creating a two-on-one or a one-on-zero situation. Yeah, and then off a of pick and roll, add in the dunker area. What does that do? You want to do dunker area or you want to do drop defense first? I want to do dunker area first because it's All rolling right. off my tongue already. Okay, <laughs> you do the dunker area because I have a perfect way to explain this. Okay, so dunker area for me, uh, you see Grayson Allen and you see Pat Connaughton That's a lot. Pat Connaughton's area. Yes. I mean, it's definitely Pat Connaughton, but Grayson Allen started doing a little bit. He was sprinkling in there. Um they kind of hang out in that baseline area, kind of Drew like Drew Holiday likes to hang out in there. Because he and Drew Holiday's, oh my God, I'm glad you brought that up. He's perfect for that because he finishes with both hands. Middleton likes to find him behind the defender in there. Yeah. Um. So the dunk area, think of like the block to like I'd say about 12 feet kind of baseline area. So you're attacking the center, you create a mismatch, and you do a little wraparound dump off pass underneath behind the defense on the weak side. That's where Pat Connaughton cuts to all day, and he gets a ton, a ton of his points. That's why the Bucks dominate points in the paint. Because mm-hmm. we just named three players that hang out in that area, and not a single one of them was Giannis, who's giving you 20 points in the paint. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Oh, that's awesome. And that's before you get to guys like Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez. Yep. You know, um, It'll be interesting to see. Uh, for me, the way that I explain Dunker area – is if you've ever gone against a zone defense in basketball, the dunker area is what you would call short corner. Uh, yep. Um, so it's basically the area not not up against the paint, 
not up against the three-point line, but a small chunk of space in between, that area is the dunker area. You're, you're basically straight aligned with the hoop, and you're either, like Jake said, about five feet away up to about 12 feet away. Just on that baseline, you're basically just trying to get behind uh, a defender and then, you know, just looking to get an open shot there or one dribble and a dunk or a layup. Yeah. So, again, when you create that mismatch, you know, your Drew Holiday, you're creating that mismatch going to the paint and you look weak side. As the guy in the dunk area, you have to make yourself available. That is a big thing. You got to be ready for the ball to come to you. Show hands, make yourself available, be ready to score. Uh, that's what Pat Connaughton does really, really well. He's all yep. he always has the hands ready, even yep. for three point shots. We talked about it. Catch high, release high, right? That was it. That was the thing mm-hmm. that he talked about last year. So, uh, dunk area, be ready to score. All right. Last but not least, let's talk about drop defense because this became really popular with Brooke Lopez. You had more debates about it, so I'm gonna let you start this one. So <laughs> now this ties into the philosophy that the Bucks employ on defense. So the drop defense is a philosophy of defending the pick and roll, which we've talked about, mm-hmm. where the defender who is guarding the screener, which like Jake said, is traditionally a big man, um, is he just continues backing up, forcing the ball handler to make a decision, not allowing you know the ball handler to drive by him by being too close to the screener, or by being too far away that the guy just comes off the screen and shoots a wide-open three. Uh, Brooke Lopez does this very well because he does a very good job of keeping his hand up and not allowing a, a wide-open jump shot, but also being able to back up quickly enough to not allow a ball handler to go by him to get a layup. Mm-hmm. Um, what this does is it creates two things. It creates either a contested three-pointer if a guy wants to jack it up, or it allows a lot of floaters. Now, basically, this the strategy is to force teams to shoot the shots that they make at the lowest percentage, mm-hmm. which is floaters and three-pointers. Now, you want teams shooting three-pointers, but you obviously, in, a, in an ideal world, you'd like to contest them. Yeah. Um, you don't want giving up wide-open three-pointers because that obviously makes it easier, but three-pointers are the lowest percentage shot that every team shoots. Because it's the farthest away from the basket. So that's why the Bucks choose to allow teams to shoot the three-pointer. And that's why that defensive philosophy is not going away. And it makes sense. Yeah, it sucks when teams make a ton of threes. And that's the only way to beat the Bucks. You need like record-breaking nights at the three-point line to beat the Bucks because they do such a good job of defending the paint. The drop defense plays into that. Because it basically means that Brooke Lopez is going to keep backing up until his feet hit the restricted circle. And if you haven't made a decision by then, you better be get ready to find somebody who's open or you're causing a turnover. Yeah. You're about to run into a damn tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's, that's basically what it leaves you for. Um, so I would say as far as the bucks are concerned, defending a guy like Trey young with the drop defense is, is probably one of the hardest players to do it against, but um, you know, he's, he's not stopping anybody on defense. And he has shown that he can be turnover prone. Um, so, you know, it's not going away anytime soon. And with the Bucks and all the length that they have, it does force um, point guards to, or whoever is handling the ball to to make really quick decisions. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're not ready to make those really quick decisions, the Bucs are going to force a lot of turnovers. So. so for me, the drop defense works perfectly for two reasons. One, you highlighted Brooke Lopez. Yep. Uh, what Brooke does a really good job of and why the drop defense works is it takes away driving lanes, right? Because Brooke yes. is obviously a slow-footed guy, but he has length. So you take away some of those driving lanes and he has the long arm. He has a chance to contest on little mid-rangers. The other reason why it works so well is because you have a freaking straight-up bulldog with Drew Holiday, who literally fights through screens like he's nobody the best else. at it. Like I, dude, I read an article from the Athletic last year. Eric Name interviewed Drew Drew Holiday about that. Mm-hmm. Dude, he makes an art out of getting out of the way of screens. Like he he is so deliberate about the way he positions himself when it comes to screens. That's why when he gets called for fouls, when dudes fall down on on screening him, that's why he gets mad. Because he knows that that screen is coming, and he knows that he's putting himself in the right positions to get between the screener and the ball handler. That's why he gets pissed when he gets fouls called on him for that. Yeah. So with his ability to get around screens, get over screens, get under screens quickly, and basically stick to his guy, that allows one of two options. One, obviously, if you've watched any Bucks game since Mike Boonholzer came over, they're going to throw to the corner, and guys are going to shoot corner threes. That is that's one option. The other option is maybe the guy that Brooke Lopez is guarding. But when you have the defensive guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo who can float around because of Brooke yep. Lopez and Drew Holiday, that's how you end up with the number one defense in the playoffs. And essentially, <laughs> if you want to put a guy like Brooke Lopez in a situation to defend a screener or a defend a ball handler coming off of a screen, mm-hmm. and you want to leave Rudy Gobert out on the three point line, so do the Bucks. <laughs> The yeah, Bucks want ahead. you to leave that guy out there. They want you to leave Julius Randle out there. They want you to leave Dwight Howard out there. They want you to leave Clint Capella out there. They want you to leave those guys out there, Nikola Vucevic even. He's got the ability to make threes, but he just chooses not to for some reason. Like it's Well, I would I rather like, him shoot than DeRozan or exactly. or, or Levine. Yeah. So or, I mean or even Ball at sometimes cuz when Ball gets going his shot's gotten better. When he came into the NBA, his shot was really ugly. It's gotten oh, better. Oh, yeah, it was bad. But I mean, like, not strictly just shooting, but allowing him to get into a flow of playmaking-wise and get right. others going. So if you just let Vucevic shoot, obviously the Bucks. that's what they did last year, and we stopped yep. the hell out of him. So that's a, that's a way to, to beat the Bulls. You remember when, when Chicago fans were saying Bulls in five? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good times. Good yeah. times. You know, I heard uh, I heard a Bears fan say that the Bears were going to sweep the Packers this year. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what rock you've been living on under, but uh, it ain't no 85 anymore there, bud. <laughs> or 86. Or like, 90. Like, why don't you try for incremental goals instead of going from, you know, one end of the spectrum to the other? I don't know. I don't know, man. Like that that zero to a hundred. It... it ain't for everybody. It doesn't make you look good. It makes you look dumb. It makes you look stupid. If I'm bro, they that. really are. You know how hype Bears fans were that they beat the Seahawks yesterday. I'm like the fucking Seahawks. Oh my god, bro, the Seahawks. They're has, bad. Has Justin Fields thrown a ball convincing past ten yards? He threw one pass, I won't lie, the first game. I mean, it was a really, really nice play by Mooney, but he did put it in a nice spot. He threw one pass this preseason where I'm like, okay, that was nice. 
But he had a couple last night where I was just kind of like, eh. But that offensive sure. line is just – it's uh, – the guy's going to be running for his life. He's going to be running for his life. I, I really believe Justin Fields is going to lead the league in turnovers this year. Oh, dude, absolutely. And if he does that again, then I don't want to hear a Bears fan be like, he's just growing, naggy. No, none of that. I don't want that. There's – there's nothing on that team that scares me at all. Mooney, like literally nothing. Potential. Monty, but, Monty's all right, but I mean, I'll, Montgomery's okay. I'll give you that. He's yeah. okay. But does Mooney scare you against Jair, Stokes, or Douglas? No, no, at all, bro. Slap Jair over there. Okay, good day. Bye bye. Now you now you got to throw to EQ. <laughs> <sighs> And and do you do you take Cole Komet over Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker? Come on, man. You know the answer to that. Like, I don't understand. Like, you saw Brennan shared a thing about the Packers playing the, the Dolphins on Christmas, and the dude said 34-28 Dolphins. Yeah. I'm like, I will give you 10 to 1 odds that the Dolphins don't score 34 points on the Packers. Yeah. Tua. Come on, man. Not and, and if I'm waiting for the well, he's got Tyree Kill this year. Patrick Mahomes had Tyree Kill last year, and they scored 13 points. And Travis Kelsey. <laughs> and Andy Reid. Let's not forget how good how good of a tool Andy Reid is for Kansas City. I'm just saying. We and they got a new head coach down there, and everybody's all excited. And I get it. I get it. You know, new vibe. They should have hired Brian Flores. They should have stuck with Brian Flores. They should have, and they're trying to screw him over right now. But uh, that's that that stuff didn't go away. People forgot, but that stuff didn't go away. He's such a good coach. Like I don't understand why you want to blackball Brian Flores. I don't get it. I don't either. Like before we had Rich Bisaccia, like I would have taken him as our special teams coordinator in a freaking heartbeat. Well, one hundred percent. The guy guy knows what guys know football. Obviously, yeah. I mean, he he got the Dolphins who were. They, what, they win 10 games the year before. <laughs> yeah, the owner had to tell him to tank because the Dolphins were playing too well. <laughs> That's crazy to me. That is crazy. I can't believe that. If you want to team to suck, hire Jeff Fisher as your coach. <laughs> no, if you want to be mediocre. Um, he, yeah. wanted, he wanted uh, the star, star player in Miami. That's what he wanted. He wanted like a mm. Trevor Lawrence, marketable in Miami. Like, I get it. I get it. I do. Yeah. All right. What up, James? James? How you doing, buddy? James pops in right at the end after we've finished discussing everything. Yeah. Like blister shows up when the work's done. I'll tell you what, James. Uh, Olave scored a touchdown. I know you're at work. You didn't get to see, but Olave broke free from uh, a terrible zone defense. One of our linebackers was trailing him by a lot. Got burned. Uh, Galilea. No linebacker on Chris Olave. He they were playing. They were trying to play a zone. The corner didn't come over far enough, and then. Galele or whatever his name is didn't go deep enough in his zone. And now he has a pass rushing guy. Anyways, he's not a coverage linebacker. Uh, I don't whatever. know. He he was the one trailing They're him. Probably trying to get him to, oh, to show some goodness uh, flexibility and versatility in the preseason. It's probably yeah, it was a good pass. Uh, but also one of your corners got absolutely dogged by Romeo Dubs. Just so you know, it was a really nice catch. But it's been a good game, honestly. And somebody who the hell? What number was that? Number 30 on the Packers, a safety just tried to kill one of your running backs. <laughs> is that Ennis Gaines? It might be. He has long-ass hair. I've heard a lot of talking about him, actually. 
He had a he had an interception earlier, I believe. I don't know if they overturned it, but and now he just shot in like a torpedo. Surprise! You know, book did something good. It was a really he actually threw it on it the on the money. That was a really really nice pass by book. I mean, wide open guy, but it, there was it was on the money. It was a fireball. Oh, now we got no, watch no good things. Now I'm hearing good things about Jack Heflin. Freaking. Number sixty, Chris Slayton, I believe his name is. Yep. He's been making some plays, man. It was just, it just said Jonathan. It was just said Jack Heflin, Chris Slayton, and Jonathan Ford are earning their paychecks tonight. Chris Slayton, I've seen him make a couple tackles behind the line, get some good pushes. Who's this? Oh, was that a catch? That was not a catch. I don't know who the receiver was. Eighty-seven on the Saints. I don't know who that is, James. You tell me who that is, buddy. All right. Well. Uh, that's not a catch. There we have it. That's our that's our last bonus episode of 2022. Yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you this. You're going to want to tune in next Friday when we have some really good fun on board. And then after, after that Friday episode, Badgers fans, you're going to want to tune into that Wednesday. We have Badgers Primer. And then we get Packers going. September and then before 2nd, you know it. September 2nd is get... the last Friday with no Wisco Fanatics on a Friday night. Which is kind of nice because my birthday is the next day, so it'll be kind of nice to have the night off. <laughs> I yeah, won't lie to you. Thirty year old fuck. Jeez, <laughs> I feel it. Kawan Baker. Well, he almost made a nice play. That was kind of a bad pass, but yeah. God. James, I respect your fandom. I I really do because you're you're a guy like us where you know your team in yep. and out. You know the backups. You know the players. You know where they came from. Like you know their road to the team. Like I respect your fandom. That's you know why, I, why I don't talk a lot of shit to you. You know what else <laughs> I like I about James is that James is actually like good with giving credit to his opponents as well. Yeah, it, I like it that takes a, it takes a sense of maturity to be able to do that. Yes, I respect that. So very I, much. I respect people that can do that. You know, I did talk a lot of shit to you before the first week last year, and obviously you humbled us a little bit, myself included. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it that worked the, out in the end. I'm not afraid to say that the Saints whooped our butt a little bit. It's okay. It happens to everybody. Uh, you you heard uh, you heard what Marshawn Lynch said. Everybody gets got. That's one of my favorite sayings, man. Everybody gets got. Um, happens. So it happens, man. But we're gonna get you back uh, in this preseason game. Not that it matters, but <laughs> Jordan it Love. Mat- it matters good, if you're a Baltimore or Chicago fan. <laughs> oh my God! Does it ever? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but if you lose the preseason game too, then it then it matters also. Yeah, then it matters. If we do it, if we go to 0-2, I, oh, I swear to freaking God, I'm saying this right now, live on camera. I swear to God, if the, the Bears are 2-0, right, if we start 0-2 and they brag about that, I'm laughing right in their face. I swear I will. Because I saw somebody, oh, my God, he was, he was like, talking trash about the Packers losing. I'm like, bro, you understand that that game literally meant jack shit, right? It didn't mean anything. Nobody played in that game for us. Like, not even some of our rookies played. <laughs> it's pretty sad that Viking or not Vikings, Bears fans have to say that their starter is better than our backup. Like, that's 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 the hill they die on. It's like, oh, Justin Fields is better than Jordan Love. It's like, the fact that it's even questionable is sad. I, to be honest with you, I don't know. I I don't know either. I don't know, and I'm not trying to be like a really big homer or anything, but it's fucking close. Right dude. now, 
I would take Love as a passer and Fields as a runner. Oh, that's how I, I would take. Yeah, Fields as a runner is way better than, than yeah. Love, and Love is still still mobile enough. But yeah, man, uh, the decision making both not where you understanding want to be. defenses. That's something that Aaron um, Rodgers has given credit to Jordan Love for a lot. Matt yep. Lafleur has given Jordan Love a lot of credit for that. Stenovich was giving him credit for that is being able to read and diagnose defenses. That's the next step that he's taking this this training camp. That's what I've I've heard from several different uh, people from the Packers. Yep. He uh, Rogers talked about just getting that consistency. So Love will get it down. I absolutely believe that. Um, yeah, I'm. I still think Jordan Love can be the answer. I'm not one of those Packer fans that thinks yeah. that he can't be. But he's he's a question mark until the question is answered. Yeah, we don't know until that time. And as a, but, as Packer fans, we should hope that he plays well so that we could potentially make a transition or that his value is higher, whether it be for somebody to offer us something for him yep. or it be that if Rodgers gets hurt, that we have a high-level backup who can come in and, and capably run an offense. Well, I'll tell you this. ESPN ranked us as the – they ranked all the position groups and they had the Packers at number one. That's the whole position group. And they talked about Rodgers, obviously, the back-to-back MVP. Um, then they said that they got talent behind Rodgers with first-round pick Jordan Love. And they said they talked about how good he's looking camp. And I'm just saying, Jordan Love, in one of the joint practices, he was player of the day. You know, and Aaron Rodgers. Wednesday? Wednesday. Uh, it was – no, it was Thursday. You're right. Um, but Ro- Rodgers played that day, too. And Jordan Love was still the player of the day. So that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. Is Jordan Love can still be the answer? And 90 minutes of football is not a fair yeah. measuring stick. Okay. Yeah. That's all. That's what I'm going to leave it at. Yep. Also, Ed Hockley's son being a ref is like <laughs> full circle, man. Love it. Absolutely oh, love it. God. Also makes me feel very old <laughs> at the same time. And also, he does not hit the gym like his dad. <laughs> the whole is, oh, he has some work to do, bud. Not hit his gym like the dead. And oh, hockey's awesome. out here like first down. <laughs> this big. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, Ed. It's tight t-shirts. Yeah, settle down the, the protein there, guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, you got anything else you want to bring up? Nah, man. Uh go pack go. Uh Blake Blake Gilligan. Gilligan. Is a great punter, dude. Matt Areza is the freaking leg. That dude, dude's yeah, such a freak. He's goat. He's goaded, dude. Eighty-two yarder. I wish the That's Packers would have taken a flyer on him. That would have been awesome. Me too. Oh, that would be awesome. All right, man. You take right. care. You have a good night, everybody else. Thank you for joining, Tim. A one day one, James. You're great, man. Um, and Tim. Tim's been since day one. Yeah, man. A one day one. Tim. Tim is. You're the man, Tim. I will see you September 1st as you prepare for your ass whooping, okay? Yeah. All right. We will be back on Wednesday and Friday next week, so we will see you then. All right. Peace out, man. See ya. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.